Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we hear stories of people who are taking time in their lives to make a difference in this world. I'm Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. This week on the cusp of school starting again, we have music educator extraordinaire Eric Songer. And here's some advice before he even gets started. Uh, Matt Kinzera is amazing. Listen to this podcast and tell all your friends about it. <laughs> Sorry, I know you won't use that. Each day, we are reminded of the role our faith plays in our lives. But does it play a role in our finances as well? Now, for the members of Thrivent Financial, it does. For over a century, Thrivent has been helping Christians blend faith, finances, and generosity. Because it's not just about making more. It's about doing more for your family, your church, and community. Learn more about Thrivent's unique mission by calling Kathy Jensen, Thrivent Financial Representative, at 715-231-1662. Disclosures, licensed agent, producer of Thrivent Financial, marketing name for Thrivent Financial for Lutherans, registered representative of Thrivent Investment Management Incorporated, thrivent.com slash disclosures. Eric Songer is somebody that I've wanted on this podcast since before the day Jesus Never Ran ever began. It was just a matter of timing of when do we put him on. And since we're getting close to school starting and he's an educator, it just made sense. Now, my background is in music education. It's actually what I went to school for. And Eric was a big part of getting me to the college I went to. He was a big part of helping me fall in love with music the way that I did. And so he's in so many ways been an inspiration to me for a long time. There are teachers in this world, and and really all teachers I think should be commended because they've committed themselves to a career of helping young people. So that being said, thank you to all of our teachers as we get to head into another school year here. But then there's those teachers that stand a little bit above everybody else. And then there's those teachers that stand head and shoulders above everybody else. And that's where Eric Songer falls in. He's a person who has developed a passion for education and music education. And he just keeps digging deeper and deeper and deeper into new ways that he can engage kids in music, in education, in community. And he's not willing to admit that there is a single student on this earth that shouldn't be involved with music. So here you go. This is Eric Songer. My name is Eric Songer, and I am a music educator in Chaska, Minnesota, which is about 20 miles outside of downtown Minneapolis. And I am originally from Wisconsin, near Milwaukee. And I grew up and went to Kettle Moraine High School and eventually went to UW-Eau Claire for my undergrad in both music and math education. And my first job right after Eau Claire was where I currently am and have been for 22 years now, which is pretty crazy that I haven't moved on from a different job and just found a great job right away that I've really enjoyed. And in addition to being a music educator, I'm also a husband and a father. Uh, My wife is Heidi, and we've been married for 17 years. And we have two kids, Caleb, who's 14, and Abby, who is eight. 
And in addition to that, I also am a performer and a songwriter, and I play primarily trombone, but I also play a little bit of guitar and play in a variety of groups ranging from jazz to rock uh, to worship leading and playing in worship bands. And so there's, there's a lot of variety of things I get to do in addition to being a music educator. The vast majority of the podcasts that we've had on Jesus Never Ran have been about people who have noticed that there was something missing in their lives. They dug deep to discover what that was or they found a cause or whatever it may have been. And then they moved forward towards that cause, many times causing them to change career paths. And so we've had a lot of listeners that have come to me or that have messaged me who have said, this podcast has caused me to rethink what I'm doing. And I think that's really good and really healthy. We need to stand and think, am I in the right space in this life or is there something else I should be doing? Am I spending a lot of my time doing something that I don't care about or is there something else I should be moving towards? And I'm really excited about that concept. That's part of my story and that's part of a lot of your stories. But for other people, you fall in a category like Eric does, where you're doing what you love. It's just a matter of doing it in new and exciting ways so that it's even better than you could ever imagine. And so as Eric's story unfolds, I want you to hear that part of it. I want you to hear an evolution of a person who found his passion very early in life and then continues to transform and continues to push himself towards greater things. Question one is always, where did this passion start? First, for music. That's a great question. My love for music started when I was in fifth grade, and I was in a FIAD class, and we were playing basketball, and as uh, my FIAD teacher liked to do, she would turn on the radio while we were shooting hoops and practicing drills, and the song came on, and for some reason, it just grabbed me. And I asked a couple friends, you know, the name of this song and nobody knew. So I went home that day and turned on the radio station and waited for that song to come on, hoping that the DJ would say what song it was. And it finally came on. And the DJ said that was Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. And when I think back, you know, it's a cool song. It's not like the greatest song ever or anything. But for whatever reason, that song just grabbed me. And in the process of listening to that song, I heard all these other great songs like Every Breath You Take by The Police and Flashdance, What a Feeling by Kara and all these great songs from 1983. And then like a couple weeks later, you know, I had this love of math too. And so I'm listening to the radio, and all of a sudden, the show comes on called American Top 40 with Casey Kasem. Hello, and welcome to American Top 40. I'm Casey Kasem, and this is our weekly countdown of the 40 best-selling songs in the nation. We've got three debut records in the survey this week. My love of math and music just mixed right there because he's counting them down. He's saying, you know, how many notches have moved up on the chart. And I remember telling my mom on that Sunday morning, I said, mom, I can't go to church this morning. I have to hear what the number one song is. And luckily I found out that the show aired on Saturday afternoons as well. So I, I didn't have to miss church. So then every Saturday I would sit down with my, my boom box and my blank cassette tapes 
and record all the debut songs and I'd write down all the songs. And then like the, this is where things really get strange. I spent the rest of the weekend writing this magazine called Rocket Magazine, which was a 16 page magazine about all the artists that were on the chart. And in sixth grade, all I wanted for Christmas was a copy machine so I could copy my magazine and take it to school and give it to my friends. I should have sold it. I don't know what I was thinking, but I would uh, have this long line of kids at my locker every Monday morning wanting the latest issue of Rocket. And I remember it was the only time I ever got called to the principal's office because the principal said, you can't be bringing this magazine to school. You're distracting everyone's learning. So, but that's where my love for music started was through popular music. And I did play in the band. I played trombone. I didn't particularly love it or anything in middle school. It took a while for that part to grow on me, but I loved listening to pop music, making this magazine. And I actually made it all the way through 10th grade. So about five years. So in my basement, I have about 250 issues of Rocket Magazine uh, from 1983 to 1988. So a lot of uh, popular music knowledge in my head uh, that really led to my love of music. So if we stop the story here, we should all assume that Eric became a popular DJ on a pop music show, or maybe that he became a person that created the next Rolling Stone magazine. But there's more to the story than that. There's this piece of desiring not only to use music and to become a musician, but also this desire to teach other people. So when I was in middle school, I was a really intense bowler. I loved to bowl. And my first job when I was about 14 was to become a bowling coach at the local bowling alley. And I got to work with with little kids uh, and teach them how to bowl. And I did this all through high school. And I think one of the things that dawned on me right away was even though I loved to bowl and I loved teaching kids how to bowl, I really loved building the relationships with the kids and the friendships with the parents. And that was really what became my favorite part about my job. And so that's when it really set in that I should really think about becoming a teacher as a career. And it really didn't matter if it was teaching bowling or math or music. It was all about teaching kids. So that's kind of when I decided I, I should probably pursue being a teacher. So when I started college, my, my instant um, major was, was music education. And it was never really a doubt uh, all through college that that's what I wanted to focus in on. The part of that that really grabbed my attention is that part where he said it didn't matter if it was bowling or music or anything else. The part that he was really excited about was the opportunity to teach kids. What we can learn from that and how we can apply that to our own individual situations is the method that we use to do whatever we're doing is much less important than the mission that we're trying to accomplish. We live in this culture that really lifts up the method. And so we lift up this idea that you're a musician or that you're an athlete or that you're a doctor. And we often do that at the expense of the true purpose. So I've met a lot of people in the medical profession who use their understanding and their expertise in medicine to make a huge difference in this world by doing medical missions trips. I know people who are experts at marketing that are using that 
to really put forward and to promote things that really matter in this world. And then, of course, like Eric's situation, he is a person that is passionate about kids and passionate about kids learning and growing and developing into who they're supposed to be. So the method that he uses is a little bit irrelevant. He's going to use what he's good at or what seems to be the logical way to do it, but the method isn't the mission. They're two separate things. One leads to the other. So whatever your situation is, just consider that. Consider what your gifts and your abilities are. And that's not the end-all be-all. The goal is to use what method that you're good at to accomplish the purpose that is deep within your heart. Now, like almost every story, the beginning of Eric's educational process wasn't all roses and he didn't just arrive the moment that he stepped foot into a school. So here's a little bit about the beginning of that process. Well, I think I had the same experience that a lot of first-year teachers have. It was a struggle. It was not easy. There's so many things uh, as a teacher that you have to be thinking about besides just teaching kids music. Uh, there's teaching uh, discipline. There's teaching um, uh, teaching kids how to be great human beings. It's uh, learning how to work with your colleagues. It's learning about all the ins and outs of education. There's so many things that go into it that I was somewhat overwhelmed my first year teaching. I think like a lot of first year teachers are. Uh, and, and I think really the first three or four years I taught, it was all about figuring out what my style was, how I was going to interact with kids, what worked for me, because everyone's different. Every teacher, uh, we've all had teachers and we all know some of them are, are very different from each other. So I had to find that style. Um, and I did not do a lot of things that were very different than your typ typical music educator in my first three or four years. I know one thing that I, I did right away is I helped build our jazz program in our, our district because our jazz program was relatively new. This would have been 1997. So I was trying to, to help build that at the middle school level and then also build our marching band program because that also was kind of uh, in its beginning stages. So it was really fun to try to build those two things at the middle school level to match what they were doing at the high school at the time. So Eric uses the first few years of his career just to establish himself, just to maybe get things moving in the direction, get to understand what's going on. And I know a lot of our entrepreneurial mindsets want to go so fast. And Eric's story is a great example of the first thing that you have to do is you have to figure out where you are, figure out where you stand and what you have, and then start the process of moving forward. So those first couple years I taught I did some arranging of pop songs for kids to do in the band or in the jazz band. But what really hit was in about 2003, right around there, a movie came out called School of Rock. And School of Rock was a movie whose plot was uh, basically the substitute teacher comes in, has no experience working with kids, and decides he's going to turn this fifth grade class into a rock band. And I went to that movie with my wife, Heidi. And when we left the movie, everyone was like, oh, that was such a cute movie. And Heidi and I looked at each other and we said, we have to do this. And I thought back to my experience as a kid and how pop music drew me in to school and being a, a good student in, in music. And I'm like, there's got to be a ton of kids just like this that want to have that experience. 
So we put in an application with our community ed program to offer a class, and we called it School of Rock, just like the movie. And we had about five or six kids, I think, sign up in advance. But on the first day, we had about 20, 25 kids walk in the door. And Heidi and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? We only have like one drum set and a rundown PA system and a couple amps. So immediately I started calling friends and saying, hey, can I have an amp to borrow for the next six weeks? Can I get a drum set? I asked kids, do you have amps and, and gear that you could bring in to help us do this? I had to ask a couple of teachers if we could borrow their room, I asked a couple of friends to come in and help with the class because it was more than we could handle. And so right away, we're like, we have struck a nerve here. And a lot of those 25 kids, I didn't even know who they were. They weren't in my band. They weren't in the choir. They were in no uh, school music class. So one of the things I noticed right away, which wasn't even really an intent right away, but I think immediately when we started teaching the class, we realized that there are a lot of kids here who want to do music. They just want to do music in a different way. And on top of that, a few of those kids were kids that uh, came from some poor household situations, uh, some kids who got into a lot of trouble at school and out of school. And right away, I'm like, this is a way where kids can connect, meet other kids who have the same passion they do, and hopefully can maybe start turning their life around in a little bit more of a positive direction. It's so often these random little things that change our lives forever. Who would think that you'd go to a Jack Black movie and it would change your life? <laughs> That's not why you go to a Jack Black movie. But School of Rock was the turning point for Eric, and it was the turning point for the program that he's developed, and it really was the springboard to get to where he is now, which you'll hear about in a little while. But wait till you hear how this thing got moving. We still do School of Rock 16 years later. Uh, it's become an intro class to rock and roll in, in pop music where kids, we've kind of geared towards kids who don't play an instrument already or maybe have played a little bit but just want uh, a chance to connect with other kids. But we wanted to start another class that was more of an advanced class where kids who already had experience playing an instrument could be in a band and then actually do some performances. So we started a class called Garage Band. And Garage Band is just that. It's it's a rock band using the old school term of garage, you know, practicing in garages. And the Garage Band program has grown over the last 15 years now to include three middle school groups and three high school groups and these bands play music from you know all the way back to like the beatles and motown all the way up to current rock and roll and they not only learn songs from those different eras but they also get an opportunity to learn about improvisation uh some basic music theory uh forms of songs how stage presence works uh how to roll cables and use gear and soundboards so and how to get along in a band and interact so they're learning all the aspects of how they could actually go on and put their own band together if they wanted to someday and then they usually do about we meet in the winter and so we usually do three or four performances during the winter and then we also have a summer session where they do another performance in the summer so that was the the next group to come out of school rock and then we've added so many other groups over the last 15 years and they've just kind of come one by one uh for example a sixth grader came up to me a couple years after we started garage band and he said i want to be in the garage band mr songer and i said well what do you play and he looks at me and says well i play the 
banjo. And I'm like, ooh, the banjo. I'm like, hmm, banjo and rock music. I'm like, what kind of music do you play? And he looks at me again, this weird dumbfounded look on his face. And he says, I play bluegrass, duh. And I'm like, oh, well, let's form a bluegrass band. So that was one of the next groups we formed. Uh, and, and I knew like hardly anything about bluegrass music. And so I just went in with the attitude of like, I'm just going to learn from the kids and they can kind of tell me what to listen to and what songs we should do and what are some great bluegrass artists. And uh, this this particular student, even a couple years later, eventually donated to me his old banjo like mr songer you should learn how to play banjo and so that was really cool so i still have that banjo and i I still play on it and i'm learning how to become a better banjo player so and that band that country we now call it the country bluegrass band because we do some current country music and older country music along with bluegrass but then we have a hip-hop group uh, called hip-hop academy we have a pop music group that we call the pop ensemble Uh, We started a mariachi band, and we have a guitar class, a music production class, a class called Movie Band, which is a concert band that does all movie music. Uh, We have a DJ club for kids who want to learn how to DJ, and an EDM class for kids who like to do electronica, dance, techno, trance, all that kind of style of music. So we have a ton of different classes now that meet, and they all meet. Uh, after the school day. So kids join after school through our community ed program and they can be in as many as they want. They all meet for a season one day a week. So they're not huge commitments. And so if they want to do more than one, they usually can do that. And community ed has a really great program where they offer scholarships to kids who need financial assistance. So money is never an issue for kids to join. So it's a really cool deal that we have going on right now. It's a really cool deal what we have going on right now. That might be the understatement of the century. How incredible to be able to pull off all of this with that early motivation from the School of Rock movie. Unbelievable. Just need after need, hearing the students talk, responding to it, creating this incredible program that they have right now. So the obvious question, because this is Jesus Never Ran, and Eric would be the first person to tell you that he struggles with the pace of his life because he gets so passionate about what he does that it's hard to slow down. But the obvious question that we have to ask is how is he pulling this off in a public school setting? How is he managing to do all of this? I'm very lucky to have very supportive administration who realizes all the pros of what I'm doing. They see how we draw in kids that need these connections. They see how kids who are already in music are getting more advanced music knowledge that's going to help them down the road. They also, I think, realize that people actually come to our school or stay at our school for the music program. So there's a lot of pros there. Uh, And then not to mention, they really understand the importance of music, which uh, is really nice to have administration that that appreciate that. Um, But with that said, you know, there's only so much money. So I do a couple things. I, I do some some fundraising. And uh, we do a couple fundraisers a year. We do a talent show, which is my favorite fundraiser because the talent show features all of these different bands, the garage band, the country bands, the jazz bands, the DJs. And so it's an opportunity for them to perform. But then through the admission uh, ticket sales, we make some money off of that to help buy some of that gear so we can buy 
amps and DJ equipment and drum sets and sound gear and Ableton push and all those fun things that we use in the classes. And then we also do a, a mattress sale, which is a cool little fundraiser where uh, people can come buy a mattress and we get a, por- a portion of those proceeds. But then probably the biggest thing I do is I write a lot of grants and there's so many great organizations and foundations out there that offer money to educators. And so I've really tapped into that resource and uh, there's a great site called Donors Choose, which is a company that's kind of like a GoFundMe for teachers where you can post projects and anybody can donate to those projects, which is pretty cool. Uh, I've gotten some really neat grants from places called Give a Note and the Voya Unsung Hero Foundation and CenturyLink Foundation, uh, all these all these organizations support education and want to give teachers funding to do innovative programs. So I'm very appreciative of that, and uh, our, our kids have benefited from those grants enormously. Did you notice what Eric said right at the end of his last statement? He didn't say, I've benefited. He didn't say, my program has benefited. He said, the kids have benefited greatly from this. There's no doubt in my mind that Eric Songer's perspective is absolutely right. The other thing to just make sure that we're in the midst of, especially if we're trying to make a difference in the place where we are right now, is to find that support around you. Eric has the support of his administration. He has the support of his colleagues. And he also is very good at explaining why it's important that he does what he does. Now, another reason that I wanted to launch this podcast right now is because Eric is about to pilot a new program called Band And. It's a program that he and his music colleagues have come up with. And I want you to hear about how he is taking the work that to this point he has always done after school and actually moving it into their complete band and music curriculum. Many years ago, after these after school programs had kind of gotten uh, their roots in the ground, we talked about how uh, the, the colleagues in my department talked about how it might be nice to give this to all the kids who are in band and choir and orchestra and how can we do this? Cause you know, some kids can't stay after school and there's just kind of a philosophy of, you know, why can't we just offer this during the school day when kids are in school and not expect them to have to stay after school for these opportunities in music education. So we started this program called band and, and it's an opportunity for, in addition to playing band music and and preparing music for concerts that we also give them some of these other opportunities. So one of those, for example, is songwriting, where during the band class uh, on Fridays, we have the kids write music and they have different options. They can write kind of traditional style using software like Note Flight or Finale, which are notation programs where kids can write music on a staff and then it'll play it back for them and they can print it out and they can write music for any instrument, whether it's a band instrument, uh, it can be vocal, it can be an orchestra instrument, it could be guitar, piano. And so that, or they could do a, a composition project where they're writing something more in a popular music style. And maybe they're using uh, software like GarageBand or Logic, which are programs where you can literally record your instrument and play it back. And you also have what's, what are called pre-programmed loops, where you can have different instruments that are in the software be part of your song. 
And that's really cool because there's a lot of drum loops and bass guitar loops and keyboard loops. So if you don't play those instruments, it, you have these really professional sounding loops you can put in there. So you, you might have these great ideas in your head as the songwriter, but not be able to play them. And GarageBand and Logic allows you to create those on the program. So, so that's really neat to have that opportunity as songwriters. Another big thing we do are chamber ensembles. And when we talk about chamber ensembles in the music education world, we usually think of things like brass quintets or flute ensembles. Uh, and we do those, but we also allow the kids to form their own ensembles. And it can be any instruments go. In fact, they can even play piano or guitar or sing along with their band instruments. And then they get to choose the songs they want to do. And then I will write out arrangements for them of the songs they want to do. And the songs they want to do will arrange anything from, you know, traditional classical romantic music to movie themes, to pop songs, to jazz standards, to Broadway songs. So it's really cool that they get to pick the music and then they get to perform what they pick. So that's another really cool thing that we do during this band and time. I have a feeling that when this podcast actually launches and people hear it, everybody's going to be putting their houses up for sale and moving to Chaska, Minnesota to be a part of Eric's band program. <laughs> well, like with everybody, we want to hear some good practical advice for people who want to make a difference where they are at. So here's what Eric has for us. I think the, the first thing I would say to somebody who wants to try something new in their job is that you have to just start small. I think a lot of times, you know, when I think about what we're doing, it all started with going to see this movie and we weren't even like thinking, let's go see a movie to be inspired. Uh, there are moments in our lives that inspire us. And a lot of them are by chance. You know, you think about how you got your first job, how you met your spouse, how you um, landed a, uh, if you're in a job, how you landed a great client to, to, to make something happen. You know, sometimes it's just by chance. It's who you know. And you just take uh, advantage of those opportunities. When the moment of inspiration hits, you're like, hey, I could do this. And then if it's it's too big of a thing, just start small and, and, and you go with that first and see where it goes. Uh, the second thing I would say is to not be afraid of failure. I always say that the most successful people in life probably have failed the most because they've come up with a lot of ideas, tried them, and some of them don't work. For all the ideas I've talked about with you, uh, I about many more that I tried that did not work. And when you have something like that, I love the line about Thomas Edison came up with 2000 different ways not to invent the light bulb. Uh, but all he needed was one way to do it. So, and then all those failed attempts, he took away something from those failures and was like, okay, well, this doesn't work. I won't try this, but how about I try this and do it a little bit different this time? So that's the second thing I would say is to, to, to not be afraid of failure and instead embrace it and learn from it and see how you can grow through it. I think the most important thing in what I do and probably in what everyone does is the people that you work with and the people that you work for. And in my case, as a teacher, uh, those are the students, the parents and my colleagues. And those are the people that you need to develop relationships with and you need to be positive and you need to come up with ways that you can be a positive influence in their lives. And in addition to that, and one of the things that, that I have to work on on a daily basis being a really busy teacher is to make sure that your family and your priorities are in line 
and that's that's a struggle when you're really passionate about your job and I would just encourage everyone who's listening to really always think about that when you're saying yes to something in your job to make sure that your priorities are still in line. For Eric Songer, walking like Jesus means being the best educator that you can possibly be. It means putting kids first and doing whatever it takes to reach every one of them. Because when you're walking like Jesus, it's not about how you do it, it's simply that you do it. If that was as inspiring to you as it was to me, I would highly recommend joining the walking club. Getting on board with going after your dreams. It's a monthly video series to help you get from wherever you are to wherever you're wanting to go. Sign up today at www.jesusneverran.com. Also, let's make sure that we take time to enjoy life. The way that I like to do that is on my front porch with my family or friends, enjoying a beverage from Infinity Beverages. That's www.infinitybeverages.com. If you're in the Eau Claire area, make sure you stop by their tasting room. Otherwise, just go onto their website and they will deliver right to your door. That's Infinity Beverages, proud sponsors of Jesus Never Ran and of Dreamers Everywhere.